Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do about anything and everything property. I'm going to start this episode with an acronym, R-O-E. Now, this is an acronym for a calculation that we can use in, in business, including in property businesses. And it's one that I have recently added to Patma. So there, there are some sort of portfolio statistics available in, in Property Manager, which is one, one of Patma's products. And this ROE figure is a new one. I, I can now see what my portfolio is. It's 2.75% this is. And ROE is return on equity. And I'm sure we'll talk about exactly sort of how that's calculated and things uh, as we go through this this episode. But I thought perhaps we could start off with asking you, Stuart, what's your preferred calculation when you look at a, a property deal or evaluate how your properties are doing? Yeah, I think it's worth noting, other than the fact that we are extremely exciting people, because this is the sort of stuff we, we talk about, whether we're recording or not. <laughs> but... We did mention this in episode 12. So for anyone that's just thinking about terms and already thinking, what are these people talking about? Have a listen to episode 12, where we talk about the the terms we use. And I tend to use yield as a starting point. So for me, and without getting into all of the technical details again, as I've just said, I start with gross yield. So if I'm looking at a property online, and I like the look of it, number one, and it, it, it meets a few criteria in my head. I'm a little bit like you, Simon. I, I probably couldn't fully articulate what all of those criteria are, but I just know it. If it hits a criteria, I then look for a gross yield hurdle rate of around 10%, just to remind people that is based on multi-let properties. I'm just going to interrupt you slightly and say that I've also got figures out of my, my portfolio and my gross yield is currently running at about 3.7%. <laughs> this could perhaps tie into recent episodes about my my lack of increasing rents. <laughs> well, the truth is I, I probably need to look at, I mean, I do have a, a, a obviously documentation of what the yields are. I, I probably could have a look at it. If I think about it, it probably is greater than, but it, that's my hurdle rate. It's just whether it ends up at being over 10% or not as a gross yield, is almost neither here nor there. It, it just shows me, actually, this is a property I would be interested in. And gross yield is, again, just as a reminder, very quickly is, he says. <laughs> Let's quickly look it up. <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to have to on this one. I will remember this one because this one is fairly straightforward. Just rental income divided by the property value times 100, which gives you a percentage. Okay, so that's that's why it's quite simple. Gross rental income, total rental income, divided by the value of the property. And you and I have talked about this before because actually it's like, well, why does that actually matter? You know, that that piece of maths, but it's a bit of an indicator. And then, of course, the second one comes down to the net yield, which is the same calculation, except now it's net rental income. So taking away all of the things that we have to pay for, it could be agents fees, could be uh, maintenance fees could be insurance. Well, I say could be; it will all be all of those things. So they're the two things I start with before I do a, start looking at a property in earnest. Yeah, so I think this is very interesting that 
we've straight away started looking at and talking about metrics that we consider before going into a property deal. And your sort of preference is to look at yield straight away. I tend to ignore yield. Well, not completely ignore, but it's, it's certainly not where I look first. And I look more at ROI, so return on investment. And, and figures calculated around that, which is similar to, to net yield, but not quite because it considers all of the money going into a, a deal rather than just the value of the property. And actually, I'll, I'll come back and define that in a second. But I think it's particularly interesting because they are upfront before you go into a project, the, these metrics, whereas it's also important to look at how a property portfolio or perhaps an individual property is performing after you've bought it. And while you're running it. And that's where the ROE figure that I've, I've added really comes in, because it's just looking at return on equity. So it's just the, the sort of current status rather than when you're starting, when you're creating a, a project. So I said I'd return to ROI. This is return on investment, and this is my preferred upfront metric. So this is, in this one, the return is calculated as rental income minus all ongoing expenses that you've already talked about, Stuart. So I won't, won't repeat those. And the investment part is all of the money that you put into a deal, all the cash you put into a deal. So this would be your deposit. It would be your stamp duty. It would be your legal fees. It would be financing fees, all, all of those things. Quite possibly also refurbishment fees if if you need to do a refurb or, or get a property prepared before you, you're able to rent it out. So then again, it's that return figure divided by all of the cash you put in, again, multiplied by 100 to give you a percentage. And, and I try to look for a return on investment of 4% is what I'd, I'd like to aim for. Sometimes I look at things a bit less, but, but that's where I'd like to aim for. And of course, in, in the current market where inflation is six, seven, perhaps more in, in the near future percent. Those, those, that sort of percentage figure doesn't look so great. But anyway, let's park that for a moment. We're going to talk more about the ongoing metrics. And I've chosen ROE as the calculation to put in Patma for, for a few reasons, partly because I think it's fairly simple. So you just take your, your equity. So this is property value minus your mortgage. And, and that's your equity. So very, very simple calculation to do there. And your return, again, is your profit. So that's rental income minus all your ongoing expenses. So there's no concern about the, the amount of cash you had to put into this property, but it does allow for any further borrowing you might have had or any cash you may have taken out of the property as you refinance things and gone forwards. So I take it as a, a metric that reflects how hard your your cash is working the cash you've still got in your property is actually working on an ongoing basis mm. so I, I like it because it's simple it can be calculated from lots of the figures that patma generally has already from, from people who are using it and and it's just a, a nice reflection of what's ongoing but i i think Stuart, you said you've not really used re before but you've you've heard towards using roce so what, what's that yeah i mean I'm going to hold my hands up and say, until you talked to me about it, I wasn't really aware of return on equity. But I think it's a really interesting metric to to measure against for the reason you just talked about is actually how hard is 
the equity in that property. I've got a question on on some of that, but just coming back to so ROCE in reality is very similar to ROI in terms of you know you're looking at your profit divided by the amount of capital. And the reason I think there's a slight difference, well, in my opinion anyway, and the reason this is slightly different is because I look at a return on capital employed. So I'm looking at the money that we're putting into a property versus obviously the money that we're getting out, i.e. the the rental amounts. But because I'm typically thinking about we're forcing value or or we're creating value, so we're either going to force that value or we're going to to get the value because we've bought well. I then have the so we have a first metric that says this is your uh, return on investment, if you like. But then the, the return on capital employed looks for me at what happens when we do take further monies out. Now, there's a little bit of an additional calculation you have to do there because if you do take a further advance, obviously you've now got a, a, a larger mortgage. And the interest rate may or may not be different, might be the same. But of course, your your monthly mortgage has gone up. So you always have to factor that in, which, and again, being completely candid, I didn't used to do on original calculations. I used to factor the money out and then, you know, hadn't taken into account that there was additional interest repayments. Free money from the magic money tree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's how I thought it was several years ago. <laughs> um, but that, so when I look at return on capital employed and something you and I were just talking about pre-record was that, that for me is just a calculation I do pretty much when I'm buying and about to refurb. But after the first couple of years, I don't ever come back to return on capital employed. I just want to know of the money that we use. And then once we've refinanced, how does that look? Does it, you know, I'm looking at projects now and I'm looking at the ROCE because I think, okay, is it going to, you know, am I going to get 30% marginal? You know, is that is that a good number for me? Of course it is. Then we'll work will work forward based on those numbers. So ROE, again, something I've not worked with previously. So where are the, the current valuations coming from when you're when you're looking at ROE? This is entirely up to up to you really, I think. So if you want to be really accurate, you could of course sell your property. No, hang on, that doesn't work. No. Because then you can't can't have a return on it. No, no, ignore that one. So if you want to be as accurate as you can be, you could get a surveyor out and give you a proper professional valuation. But failing that, you can just look on any number of numerous websites to give you a valuation, or you can look at comparables that are currently in your market, either sold comparables or property listing comparables. Patmo will help you do that, by the way, but anyway. And you, you just have to, to try and provide a valuation as you, as you would for, for any normal evaluation of a property. And yes, it, it may not be be perfect, but it's a statistic. So can, can we have a quick aside here? So when we're talking about property valuations, so you've mentioned a few websites. So just for the sake of a conversation and the listener, we, we've, when I, we think about websites like that, I'm thinking about Zoopla. I'm thinking about Right Move sold house prices. I'm thinking about mouse price. Other websites I'm sure are available. But can we have a quick aside? Have you used Zoopla recently? And if so... What are your thoughts on what has happened to that website? Ooh, I think I must confess to have not used it recently, at least not recently enough to, to know what you're referring to. So, so what has happened? Well, I mean, I'd love for people listening to, to reach out 
as always, reach out to us on Twitter. It's the quickest place, at B-I-Z of property, at biz of property, to give me your views. Because I used to to bank on Zoopla as a, as a real sort of go-to alongside, like Simon says, you know, using multiple sites. And, of course, the best is is finding sold comparables within that street. Identical footprints would be the obviously the holy grail. But recently, in the last few months, whenever I've gone to Zoopla, the there is a dearth of information, even when I've created an account. Now, I don't know whether it's just because they've created a freemium version now, so you maybe you have to pay. I, I haven't looked into it because I just I now just use right move house prices. But when I go onto the Zoopla website, I to be honest with you, I, I'm not sure I'll ever go back to it. It's just and also the the interface just doesn't seem great anymore, just doesn't seem very clear. And if I'm looking for a house, it's not just like typing that postcode, find a house number, and there's a, a house price anymore. And you know, may, I, whether I'm doing something wrong, I don't know. So I'd, lo- I'd genuinely love it if someone could reach out to us at Biz of Property just to, to let me know, am I doing something wrong? Or have they just had to take things off the site for, for legal reasons or just, just bad, bad workmanship? I don't know. Very interesting. I'll have to go and have a nose and, and see, see what it looks like. But speaking of websites who seem to be taking backward steps, I use Google Street View lots for, for locating properties and looking around sort of the street and, and trying to evaluate things there. And, and also then once you've found the property on there, you can look at the satellite view and see how big the garden is. And things. But anyway, I, I use Street View a lot. And I've noticed in recent weeks, months, that loads of streets have been removed from it. And I think this is targeted around trying to remove private roads from Google Street View. And I don't quite know why they've decided to do that, because, of course, while they're they're private and that comes with sort of differing maintenance responsibilities and and perhaps some rules around parking, things like that, I I don't think it really restricts people from driving down them and and taking Street View pictures, because anyone can still drive down them. So I'm I'm not sure why, but that, that's really restricted some of the the research I've tried to to do on Street View, and they seem to have gone a bit over the top because I mean I'm sure they they haven't actually gone round and evaluated every street in in the country to decide whether it's private or not. So they've they've applied some automated algorithm to try and work this out, and they've actually removed a whole heap of roads that aren't private at all or aren't restricted in any way, and you now can't get to them and see them on, on street view and, and some of these are streets that i know they've taken photos of because i've looked at them in the past on street view and now they've just vanished but anyway um we were talking about finances <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> and i wanted to ask about roce because i think roce is actually a really really interesting calculation it's it's not the one i decided to go f- go with for patma because it requires a lot of extra information to put into it. Namely, the capital employed bit is not just your current equity. It's also the money you spent up front. So the refurb, the stamp duty, the solicitor's fees, etc. So all, all of that is capital that you put into the deal, into the process. And by using return on capital employed as an ongoing calculation, I think that that would provide a really interesting number, especially seeing as an, as you go through the process, you refinance and some of that capital comes back out. So I w- you would hope over time with capital appreciation, return on capital employed is effectively going to trend towards infinite, but it's going to take a long time to get there, probably. Yeah, 
Yeah. But, but I think that would be a really interesting calculation. So I'm interested why you don't maintain it. Why don't you bother looking at those those numbers again after your inner deal and, and working on that over time? Well, probably for the reason you just mentioned, that it takes effort. <laughs> and <laughs> once, once we're in the property, I mean, what I do is so we have a calculation. So it's basically we have ROC on cash in year one. So, for example... I'm looking at a project where that's showing me, be really sad and say 14.63%. Right? Let's let's just say 15% for the sake of normal people. So that's showing me that the ROC is 15%. And then I look at potential cash out. And of course, that's based on a forecast GDV, an assumed loan to value, an assumed interest rate, etc. But what after the cash out, it then shows an ROC of 48%. So obviously that's good. And th- then what I also do is I look at the ROC on the the cash left in. So that will then show me what, what's left in and how long that will take to be repaid by uh, rental income. So it will typically then say ROC year one, ROC year two, and estimated cash left in after rental revenue year one so essentially we're getting to that stage where as you've mentioned you'd be looking at uh, infinity but i don't go past that because obviously it's 50 percent, and then it might just say okay after after the the further advance we've got let's just say twelve thousand pounds left in and we know the revenues are so pretty much we know that within a three-year period it's hypothetically because actually in reality it doesn't work like this because there's far too many things that go wrong in property to say that this is this simple but hypothetically in three years your your majority of cash on this specific project not all of them but on this one would be out and essentially the asset is generating where i then think the roe is a really good metric so you know for me that's like oh okay maybe that's the one that actually is the is the future indicator after the first whatever three three years yeah, because after your ROCE has ended up trending towards infinity, it's it's pretty useless, I guess. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting that in your ROCE calculation or consideration, you're actually looking at including rent as paying off the capital. And I've seen other people sort of do calculations around this as well. And and so my my view is that rent or return on on an investment return on capital whatever it shouldn't really be paying off the capital because that's that's the that's the income that's the interest that you would expect on on an investment and yet you're you're counting that that return towards your capital to to pay off that that capital that you've invested and i've seen other people look at this in terms of how many years will it take to pay off the capital to pay back the capital and that's that's actually a a, a business calculation and indeed a, a property investment calculation that that many people use, but it's not what I I agree with because I feel that return shouldn't be counting towards the capital. It should be counting as as income, and then the capital is is separate. Am I am I talking nonsense? What what, what do you reckon to this, Stuart? I think if we were looking at this in a in a purest way, I I agree. Actually, it's not that I agree or disagree. It's I, I completely understand 
why you have that view. I do, because from a pure perspective, it does make sense. But from my perspective, if we take off the net income, so for example, like lots of good people will tell you, if you invest £5,000 and that investment doubles to 10000 the most prudent thing to do is take out your initial capital. So if, if your investment has more than doubled, take out your initial investment and now you're just using the the proceeds, at which point you don't have any capital. So your your interest is is in itself now the investment. So that's my kind of view on on the property. And for I just want to be really clear with people listening is I don't base this on a return of capital thing because I've I've learned the hard way that that kind of doesn't really work in property. There's there are too there's too much expenditure, too many things that can go wrong, and and as we mentioned in the last um, episode, too many things that banks want you to pay for, too many things that councils want you to pay for to ever get this right down. But the reason I do it this way is just it just shows me at the very highest level how well that cash is going to or or how hard that cash is going to work to do what it's going to do and that's why I do it and when I think about actually if we did take our hands off and left this as passive and I'd invested £30,000 and in the next three years my net income was 30000 then actually in reality that capital investment has been returned so it's just an indicator to me, not, but understand A, from a mathematical perspective and B, from an investment perspective, why you wouldn't necessarily want to do that. Yeah, I think, I think what you're saying, and I think what, what is the case really, is that it's just two different ways of looking at the same, same numbers. And, and there is no real right or wrong answer. It's just a different analysis, a different consideration in the same way as, People will look at yield or ROI or ROCE or what have you before they go into a deal. Effectively, we're all evaluating the same things. We're just approaching that evaluation in, in slightly different ways. Yeah. And and in terms of what you consider as your return, we can complicate it even more by the fact that these are assets that generally increase in value. They they have capital returns as well as rental returns. And then the question is, do we factor that into our return number? And there was a, a, a property podcast from, from the two Robs a little while ago talking about their, their overall investment return number. And they were arguing that you should include a capital return figure in your, your return calculation. But it just makes it another step more complicated so i'm I'm not sure we we really should do you actually calculate capital returns in your returns or, or or not worry about it so much as regards to the increase in the value of property mm. not i mean we, in terms of the actual returns we do for accounts sometimes yes and yep of course yeah that's forced in some respects yeah yeah and but in terms of my returns I tend not to think about it because, as we know, they're not really real until it's been crystallised through a sale or or a sale. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was just thinking about what you were saying in terms of you know why why I look at the return, and I think I think where it stemmed from from me was what I was looking at 
And of course, the world moved on and then we got far too busy. But what I was looking at was over time, how much of that capital would be returned to be redeployed elsewhere? And that's why I came, that's why I really started to just look at that metric in the first couple of years. Because it's like, okay, if I'm looking at multiple projects, and of course, as we know, they're never all going to start at the same time, they're never going to run to time, but we might have two or three concurrent projects. And I might know that I've got X thousand pounds in project one, X thousand pounds in project two, X thousand pounds in project three. Doing the ROC calculation over a year and one and two years says, well, actually, some of the capital from project one, I can redeploy in two because I reckon I'll get 20K back out of that. And then, you know, for project three, maybe I'll get 10%. It's it's never that accurate because yeah, all the things we mentioned before. However, it does give me an idea to say, actually, if I'm a bit short on my budget for project number two, I reckon I can nick five to 10K off project number one when we refinance in six months. Give it so I just you just just an explanation that's probably where it came from from me it was it was more about capital redeployment than actually what what is this doing in terms of my capital versus uh, return on investment now that yeah that makes every sense so you're rather than looking at your return as something that you need to sort of take out of the business effectively in salary or whatever way you're t- doing that if you look at it as just being being returned to the business so it is then new capital or returned capital that can then be as you say recycled redeployed reused it is still capital isn't it yes because you're you're not you're not taking it out so it's not not lost anywhere so yes perhaps in in that sense it is returning the capital so so yes i i tend to approach my property investments and uh, my property investments are are in a personal name rather than in a company. So I think perhaps that might force a slightly different approach. But I always look at the rental returns, rental ongoing rental profits, having set aside some for a, a cushion and things. Those are, are income to me, whereas any capital growth and refinancing that then provides lump sums, that I view as capital for reinvestment. But the the rental returns, ongoing rental returns, that's income. So perhaps that's where my sort of distinction, my my separation on those comes from, because I'm approaching the structure of the the business, the structure of the the cash flow differently. Yeah, and I think you and I quite definitely could continue this conversation for for many podcasts because. It, I, I, we find it generally interesting, and I and I think about the, the fact that the return on capital employed, you know, return on capital employed, you know, if the if the income received is reducing the capital, you know, it's in terms of that. But as you say, we've got differing reasons for it, and as always, we'd love to hear uh, from you, the listener. How, how do you approach it? Do you use any of these? Do you listen to? Do you use something that's that we haven't mentioned? I, for one, just learned about ROE. What are your thoughts on that? Reach out to us at B-I-Z of Property, at Biz of Property on Twitter or thebusinessofproperty.com. Indeed. Show notes can be found on thebusinessofproperty.com for this episode and all other episodes. Please do leave us a rating or review in your podcast app of choice if you get a moment. We really do appreciate them. And we will talk to you again next week. Yeah.